Hey, dude. What's up? What's up, man? How you doing? Oh, it's been a pretty good week. Pretty good week. But I don't want to get into any of that because we got a guest today. Yes, we do. We have Sam Strake with us. For those that don't know, definitely worth looking him up. Uh, he's on Twitter. He's on Insta or TikTok. That's where I discovered him was on TikTok. Um, I had a chance to go through his a lot of his content. Very, very funny. Very insightful in a lot of things. Um, so without further ado, Sam, welcome. Hello, hello. Thank you. I was going to say, feel free to look me up. Uh, maybe don't do it at work, depending on what platform you're on. But uh, but uh, we can get into that a little bit later. But hi, uh, great to be here. Uh, these are always kind of fun. Always always glad to do a show like this. So today today's podcast is going to be a little bit of a different approach. Normally, John's usually the one leading on the interviews. But I, as soon as I saw the content, I jumped at the opportunity to try to lead this one because... I, I am much more of the TikTok Instagram guy, much more yeah. the social media guy. What uh, so, what TikToks are you in? What what TikTok circle did it did it put you into? Well, he he calls it boob trash. I don't call it that. I just call it beautiful women with comedy chops. Oh, no, sure, 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 yeah. No, no. The, so so let me explain this. The reason why I call no, it. I mean, I understand exactly what you're saying. <laughs> but well, it's like their only content is they show them. That's that's the only content that I see. Like what is no, this? Got much more substance. Some of them tell jokes. Some yeah, them, I mean the jokes are usually okay. So like if an uglier person were saying it, it would probably be like a four on ten joke. But with an attractive person saying it, it's at least like a seven or eight. Oh, I am yeah. very aware of this concept. It's something I use all the time myself. <laughs> it's actually the funniest thing about a or a funny thing about TikTok is that it, it, it the core of the platform is basically like hot people stealing ugly people's jokes. Um, yes. It, it, you just call it a trend, right? So they say like, oh, it's it's trending. I can do this. I can just make my video like this. It's like, oh, no, somebody else came up with the whole ass concept. And sorry, can I curse on this before? Go for it. Here? All right, cool. Yeah, Good. someone else came up with this whole ass concept. And then uh, like a hot person will just take it and do a worse version of their joke and get a thousand billion more views than you do. So, so that's, that's fun. My question for you, my question for you, could we call you boob, uh, booty trash? Yes, yeah, that would have definitely worked at the time. It depends on what era you want to start in, I guess, for my content career. But I think that is one of the earlier things I had go viral on Twitter at the very least. So that that would check out. I've kind of been all over the place, so we could we could explore as much of that as you want. Like I, from a journalism a little bit to uh, to posting pictures of my ass and like body paint and otherwise to comedy stuff to like music parodies. It's it's a whole thing. I uh, so do you remember when um, shit when Courage JD went over to YouTube? Mm -hmm. Like I broke that story on Twitter, so now I have a bunch of people following me from like the Wall Street Journal that again have seen my ass pictures, and it's a uh. Wait, it's a wait. Fun How did you break that story? So yeah, something you probably don't know. I actually have a journalism degree. That was where I got started in this whole content thing. Um. Like uh, before any of what I'm doing now, I moved out to Los Angeles to go work for Machinima back when that was still a thing. Um, and so I worked for what, okay, what used to be called Inside Gaming and mm -hmm. is now once again called Inside Gaming, kind of. I'm, I'm unsure of what their branding is currently. I just remember that uh, that team kind of got decimated by some fun, fun scandals there. Um, but yeah, so I, I moved out there, worked for them for a while. Um, and doing journalism stuff like covering E3 and, and covering other events. And so I have uh, contacts like that um, 
one of the earlier things I did on on like the Twitch Twitter space was probably um, a, like a big expose on a group called Royale Streamers. They were a um, basically running a, a pseudo MLM uh, to get more like stream to get more stream views for everyone. Right? Is their their whole oh, thing? Oh no! So Is this the follow the for follow peoples? Yes, but they had it down to like a monetization science where you'd buy your way into these like gold and platinum member uh, things by donating to the founders. And so I went in and, and basically just exposed the shit out of them. Uh, they have changed their name twice since and are not nearly as popular as they were before. Um, but that was probably like the first big thing people would would know me for on Twitter. Um, mm -hmm. And so that was. Yeah, it's just funny seeing the the type of people that follow me all over the place. That's probably why. I, uh, my follower count has gone down on Twitter over the past two years just because I keep changing up what I'm doing all the time. And people are like, well, I don't have any fucking idea what to expect from this guy. So that's, uh, that's a fun <laughs> bit. Um, but, but at the same time, I feel like as a content creator, continuing to adapt and change, isn't that part of survival? Uh, hmm. It can be, but they generally – okay, when I say they, I'm referring to the, the nebulous algorithm here. Uh, they generally don't want you doing that uh, that drastically, right? You can change from like if you're a comedy creator, you can adapt to the different uh, different trends going around of different comedy styles, like a point of view videos or sketches mm -hmm. if that's popular or things like that. But almost every single algorithm, and it works the same way whether you're on TikTok, Instagram, YouTube, uh, even Twitter to a lesser extent. Uh, they kind of want you to stay in your lane. So, like, once you get known as the guy who does, I guess in my example for TikTok, I started off doing like jigsaw videos. That is what I should have done on TikTok the entire time and never done anything else. If you notice all the TikTok creators you follow, they probably all make basically what I consider to be the same joke over and over and over and over because um, that is not necessarily an indictment on them as a creator, them as a person, but that's what the TikTok algorithm will push to everybody else it picks up on like keywords and even like color schemes and layouts in a video uh other other meta elements of the video and says like hey this is in that same series or same joke this is the one we're going to show to everyone else uh don't you dare try to do any other shit we're not gonna we're not gonna show anybody that so like when i post a comedy skin on tiktok that'll get like 40 50 000 views sometimes when i post any of my songs like 300 views 400 views yeah um, it's it's Stay in your lane is the the advice that I would give to anybody starting a TikTok now. It's like try a whole bunch of shit until something sticks. But once something sticks, uh, they'll they'll punish you for deviating from that. Yeah, it's um, almost better so, to create a separate account for all it, the different things. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Depending on like if it's actually, that no, drastic, just about with every yeah, just about every platform. Now I think about it, YouTube. That's the same advice there. Um, yep. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, we, 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 we're still kind of figuring that out ourselves. We're trying to find our lane and staying in it. Well, so, this will be, this should be the first one that goes back up on YouTube. We'll start uploading on YouTube again. Well, I hope not. My hair looks atrocious. Well, it's not going to be video, dude. Oh, thank goodness. Cause I, I got a plan. What so, hair? I, I, I'm still trying to get out of Hot Girl Summer. I don't want to hear it. Summer about to get into still. fat boy i'm about to get into fat boy winter winter sounds nice just in general isn't it like we we, we we've had right here or something right i about to say we we've had we've had what i call the uh the ex-girlfriend bipolar weather where where at 6 a.m she thinks she's 61 degrees by about nine o'clock she's 85 and 
How does it all get out? It's a uh, sounds about like Texas as well. Yeah. Yeah. The island last week it was like Thursday or Friday. It finally started to cool down. We got the nice breeze and it's been cool ever since. Yeah. I give you, I give you some podcast advice. No one else gives a fuck when you talk about your local weather. So let's move <laughs> yeah, on. To so else. we'll move on. Because <laughs> you know that's what everybody's tuning into. They want to hear about our bipolar weather. So as a content creator, what would you say is the easiest part of content creating? Easiest part? That's I don't think I've ever gotten that one, actually. It's a good job and a unique question. Uh, easiest part? Uh, well, shit, that's... I've never, I didn't even like mentally prepare for that because I'm not sure. Um, probably <laughs> is is as bad as this is to say. Coming up with ideas in general is, is something that I, has been easy for me personally, just because the way my brain works, I kind of get on these like these benders. Um, if we were on video, I could show you this, but I have like spirals full of just little notes scrawled in the edges, and it and it looks like some shit out of um, uh. Well, I don't know. I was gonna say Death Note. Signs that of the Lambs really work, but yeah, Signs of the Lambs will work too. Just like scrolled in any little corner that I can fit a note in, um, or like I have a notepad with about three hundred different ideas, or like three hundred draft tweets that I have at any given time with jokes. Um, and so the the initial idea or concept is usually pretty easy to come up with, but the the yeah, it's, it's the it's the rest of it that's the the tricky bit. Okay, like fully fr- so- fleshing out the idea, you would say. Yeah, yeah, or making it it work. Um, I was trying to pull up an example of something that I have here. Take your concept into fruition. Yeah, yeah, or like modify it based on what platform it needs to go to even. So like if I'm making a video for for TikTok, it's going to be a lot different than one I'd make for Twitter or YouTube or even when it's tweet. YouTube, YouTube, Twitter, you have a much more length time. TikTok, you've got about 30 seconds, so you've got to get – punchline set up and everything done in 30 seconds whereas instead of youtube where you can build a five ten minute video uh, yes uh once you get that privilege if that makes sense so uh, this is was advice that i would give to people who are starting out all the time um no one gives a fuck about you until you've done anything so front load everything you possibly have until yep. you build up that cachet it's kind of like a uh, a muscle you have to build up but it's other people's attention span on your content right so you kind of have to to earn the privilege to post longer videos um and even that is something that is like every single year uh the average length of a video I would say get shorter and then TikTok will occasionally do things where it allows 3 minute videos which I think was a mistake but um but three minute general, videos yeah in yeah. general everything tends to get shorter it's why youtube shorts are like trying to be a big deal now because that's yep. the average tension span um yeah no I had, a, I had a public speaking professor one time tell me and it's a pretty common phrase but it's the brain can only endure what the seat can or the brain can only absorb what the seat can endure people are only going to pay attention long enough to hold their attention that that checks out. It's the uh, the content creation version of don't write a check that your tush can't cash, right? Same right. same concept. <laughs> I, don't know. I don't write checks anymore, so I don't know. Yeah, yeah I suppose that that metaphor needs an update. But what about don't charge? Your butt can't charge. I don't know. Don't oh, you're, we'll you're butchering this, man. You're butchering this. <laughs> yeah. So one one question that I always love to ask because as you just said, a very off the wall question with that first one. So this one kind of to take us in a different direction. We'll come back 
uh, to, but to deviate for a second, if you, if money was no expense, money was no expense, what kind of a car would you buy and why? Uh, this is, let's see, I haven't really thought about this in a while. I feel like what car you like is something that changes growing up. So I would have said GTR for the first like 20 years of my life. I was like, oh yeah, that's a cool car. No nonsense. But I feel like now that I'm a little older, I just want something with all the comfort bells and whistles to it. So <laughs> probably like a, a Bentley or something that's smooth. I guess a Bentley doesn't work because that's not designed to be driven. That's designed to be like ridden on the back of, but, um, something in that area some one of those like high-end mercedes that are just comfortable as hell to drive and then well that and then it needs to go fast enough for me to not be where i was like a, a second or two ago uh so mm -hmm. I, I need just enough pickup to get the fuck out of dangerous situations in dallas or texas or wherever else i've lived basically um but yeah okay. it's probably higher in mercedes no, I ask that because they always say you can tell a lot about a person from how they answer that question. Yeah, what's uh, what's your answer? Well, my answer. I'm guessing uh, you're a car guy. I'm I'm guessing am, yours is going to be a very specific model engine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Go for it. I'm pretty I'm pretty laid back on this one. Okay. For me, it would probably wind up being a 2021 Ford Raptor. Oh, sure. Okay, that's a. I love trucks. I love, I love the ability to just you were talking about just go for a yeah. truck the Raptor has one of the best engines for a truck but it's like having the city and the country all in one vehicle you get to have all the all the workload of the truck the city but you get to have the the engine of this uh, of the city makes sense however you I, that. i've never liked bigger cars so i'm not a huge truck fan but if i had to drive one i'd want the one with the uh want the one with the bigger engine in it for sure definitely but uh so, like I said, you can tell a lot about a person. So, from from your answer, I can definitely tell that you're one of those guys that really loves live life to its to its fullest. So, in that same vein of living its life to its fullest, I'm gonna ask a, I'm gonna ask a twofold question. Question. It's a very interesting observation about someone who spends ninety percent of their life making shit for the internet. <laughs> so, I yes. so I don't necessarily know that that would be the right the right take there, but go on. Because well, like okay. if you're a content creator, like it's different from a consumer. Content consumer, you just sit there and you like you right. get your popcorn, your spaghetti, or whatever, and you yeah, just like right. sit back and relax. If you're making content, really making content, yeah, yeah that's I a full time job in and of itself. Yeah, but it doesn't involve a lot of interacting with other people very much, unless, yes. that's, your, unless that's your thing. But that's not that's not how my content goes anyway. For example, a content creator is somebody who they live life. A content watcher, a consumer, they're not really living it. They're living vicariously through whoever's on the other end of that phone. Yeah, I so, mean, they, each each comes with their own problems. Let's say so. Yeah, <laughs> of course. But who who has been your favorite collaborator that you've collabed with? Uh oh, um, collab person. Uh, let's see. Who's been my favorite? Um, like I guess you kind of brought. Oh well, I shouldn't talk about the fact that you brought this up before. But the the Amaranth stuff was kind of fun. Um, Sorry, I don't know who that is. Yeah, there you go. Good, good answer. G um, for me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you know how are you familiar with the concept of the hot tub meta on Twitch? No idea. What that means all right. So what Twitch streamers started doing basically <laughs> is is uh, yeah, good, good answer again. Um. 
Yeah, so so what Twitch streamers will do, and just for you or anybody else listening, this thing started where that you'd like grab a bikini and then you'd you'd buy an inflatable tub from like Target for I don't know fifty bucks or however much those things are, um, and then put it for some reason in their like living room, not not outside because that would have made way too much sense. Uh, and oh, mo- keep no, in mind, most of these people live in apartments too, so that's an extra hilarious part. Why? You've got this ec- this this flooding hazard. In fact, uh, some people did get in trouble for flooding their downstairs neighbor's apartment when the cheap, shitty inflatable pools broke. But anyway, the the reason that whole thing came up is because Twitch had a rule where your clothing had to match the situation you were in. So it was like taking advantage of a loophole that was saying like, well, I'm, I'm in this inflatable pool, so I'm allowed to wear a bikini on stream. And uh, Amaranth was the one who, if not started it, very much popularized it to where it became like its own official category on Twitch. So... That that probably tells you what you need to know about her content. But the the fun part of that is I got to um play around with her like public persona a little bit eventually. So the the song that I wrote with her, it, it's a parody of Adele's "Hello," and the whole um the whole bit was that I wrote it from a perspective of one of her mods that's like super has a crush on her and and wants to fuck her and things and is is like done this for years so the the whole song is about like this guy expressing expressing their feelings for her right and then Good. when I got to her verse I turned around in the second part and wrote it as if she was actually the crazy one in the relationship and like had been waiting for him to ask and reach out to her this whole time and so uh mm-hmm. I got to paint her as like someone who wants to own a bunch of horses and is into like cock and ball torture and and shit and so um that was that was fun to be able to flip that script and and what made that fun is that she like leaned into it really hard like didn't even blink whenever i pitched her the lines or anything and gave suggestions for like hey you could do this instead so that was that was a fun one did she record her parts so you kind of cut out there uh what was that did she she record her lines or yeah did you just, yeah oh, nice uh she recorded her lines we were initially going to go like meet up and film something for it but that was right when COVID happened so this video actually took a very long time to get out um because we live yeah we live in the same state i guess i won't exactly blow up her spot but it would would have been a drivable distance we just couldn't make the uh couldn't make the things work but okay. yeah it was fun um that's not, that's not exciting. um so yeah. oh since we're talking about collabs, my second my question is this: Who have you not had a chance to collab with, but you would love to? Uh, I don't have a good answer for that off the top of my head because I haven't really um been focusing on that for a while. Or like the I think uh Ben Brainerd on TikTok would be fun. I, but if I really wanted to collab with some of these people, I probably had, maybe not have currently, but at least used to, uh, enough cachet to where I could have made that happen. Uh, but, but one of the videos I did, and I will just shamelessly say that this this uh, this joke was basically stolen from a Monty Python skit. But I, I said hey, that like I, I, love Monty Python. who yeah, has not um, stolen a joke before. Yeah, exactly. All right. Um, well. But I wrote the video, and in the title was like featuring Ben Brainard or something in the in the skit. And so I I did the whole skit, and then at the end I was like, well, he uh, getting him to collaborate. And this is the the part he sent back. Uh, Auto mailer. Uh, uh, message was not able to be delivered, and just like said that in a very monotone voice as the as the return. Um, I don't I don't remember exactly what I did, but that was that was a funny bit. But he's a he's a funny guy, so would, that would have been it would be fun to do something with him in the future. Yeah, but right. um, 
Yeah, I have like a couple TikTok collabs with people that I was able to work. So if you remember the guy that did the I'm an accountant song uh, that became like the the joke for sex workers essentially on TikTok, that's like, what do you do? I'm an accountant. Uh, I, I was able to, to reach out to Man. him and, and get him to do a, a video with me for my um, – it was like the video games in real life series. And mm -hmm. what we did was we wrote a, a mock rap battle to be a boss battle, like a boss encounter for that. Um, and so I gave him a list of things. I'm like, just eviscerate me. Here's the list of stuff to do. And he did a great job. So that was, that was a lot of fun to, to film and put together. She gotcha. All right. Well, I'm, I'm asking because I have tried my hand at TikTok and mm -hmm. really have not found much success with the exception of one TikTok that we did back at the Super Bowl time that found some decent success i think it had like 3500 views or something or okay. posts for a for a channel that had never posted before it got 300 views on insta which i know a view on insta is whatever it's not a real view and on tiktok it did decently well for, i remember yeah. for a time on tiktok and this is something i was taking advantage of as well the uh the meta as it were was to to make an account and post like your first uh, it was like five to eight videos or something. And you would get put into a bucket based on how those videos did. So like yep. if those videos did really well, you'd get a super boost for a while that says you're in the good category. Um, and so I would do that. If the videos didn't take off, I'd delete it and then delete the whole account, like gen up a new email and then try again under a different email with a different theme. Um, and I kind of did that for a while until I hit on an idea, which was the, uh, the jigsaw thing to start off with. And that was that was when I finally like had one to stick with. But up until that point, it was a lot of trial and error and very annoying time spent researching algorithms, trying to to like optimize for it. Um, so for those of us who don't know, what is the jigsaw TikToks? Yeah. So are you you familiar with the concept of the trolley problem? Yes. Yeah. So it's essentially taking the idea of uh, the Saw movies and comparing it to to a, a trolley problem, basically. So a guy has to make a choice between, like, something mundane and something terrible. So it's like, I've got this whole bus full of children. I'm going to blow up this bus full of children unless you, um, you like, call every ex-girlfriend on your list. And then the guy <laughs> will come up and be like, yeah, just blow up the bus full of children. Like, fuck those kids. Uh, <laughs> And so yeah. it was it was that and then that concept just kind of got got played out to uh, as many jokes as I could think of to do there. Yeah. Pretty, I, I must say, I've seen those. Those are those are pretty funny. Um, those will be very intense. Oh, yeah. 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 They get they get dark. But, you know, that's, that's how no, goes. But that, but that, that once again, as you just said, it's a, it's the, it's a niche thing. It's like if you find it funny, you're going to find it funny. Yeah. Apparently you found success with it, which means there's a lot of people out there who gets pretty funny. Uh, I'm one yeah. of them. I, I, I will admit I've binge watched those each a couple of times. <laughs> yeah, I guess. Yeah. My problem is that I'm not still doing those. Um, I, basically I, I ran out of ideas um, and mm. I, I have pretty bad ADHD, which means that my like what I'm into will swing wildly. And that's why my content is all over the place. And so um it's that. It's also something to where if I was doing TikTok or Twitch or what have you as my day job, uh, I would probably be a lot more strict about the times I post and the things I do and things like that. But the reality of it is like as a software developer, I would never be in a point to where I'm making more money doing that than I would be otherwise. 
and I have enough, uh, I don't know, I guess a humble brag here, sorry, but I have an, uh, make enough money and have enough free time with my current job to be able to do both. Um, like, right. I intentionally picked a job for my last job that has a seven-hour workday. So, like, that's the the workload schedule I get. So I can just fuck off in the middle of the day and go record a music video and and come home and still finish all the work I need to do for the day. And that that has been really nice. So so wait, I I am I am very curious here. So you went from working as a journalist, yes, going to California, doing that whole thing with that company I forget the name of. Yeah, Machinima. Um, yeah, and then so I the guess software I'll engineering. That. Yes. Uh, I went to, out to California to work for Machinima, uh, making $50,000 a year as an independent contractor Oof. in Los Angeles. Ouch. Um, yeah. yeah. So that's how I end up in journalism is the short version. And even then, I'd probably still be doing that if the company didn't get bought by uh, Rooster Teeth very quickly after that. Mm-hmm. And so they like let go of everyone except for the core people and uh, moved on there. Um, that was probably a blessing in disguise because even at Rooster Teeth, I wouldn't be making much more money than that. Like every, I, I have a couple friends that do or did, I guess did when I talk to them, usually work at Rooster Teeth and they say that it's a, uh, it can be a fun experience if you're, if you're part of the in it crowd, but the money was not good, basically. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> not in LA because uh, no. you got but the drive, you got the. Yeah. Got, well, they're out in for, Austin, but it's okay. really any Whatever. any company like that, you're not going to be making much money at all doing it. Right. So, so for those that they're probably their ears are ringing, thinking Rooster Teeth, why does that sound familiar? For well, for my millennials, Halo Two had a thing called Red versus Blue for a long time. Versus Blue was what Rooster Teeth kind of got on the map for. Yeah, I watched those so many times growing up uh halo one even like it was 2000 and they uh what i like they were making videos before youtube so like they had to solve the problem of how do you get videos on the internet without without youtube and having to like download quick time video files and stuff uh yeah they were on the homestar runner model basically yeah they, they they were very much pioneers of the youtube community the model they were just online yeah. video experience yeah right yeah. and i know that once youtube did get launched and they did get a channel that that's kind of when i discovered them yeah. was in that vein i remember i watched all their stuff on google video which is hilarious to think that there was a time where google video was its own separate service from youtube without nearly the same amount of copyright restrictions where you could just go watch like illegally streamed movies essentially if you knew what to google well, you can still do that now on YouTube. It's just you not can, as easy. can, but it's harder. Yeah. 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 You can still find them. Yeah. It's just, it's funny to think of YouTube and Google ever being separate entities. Right? Because, like, so I have a couple questions for you. So one of the Go things that I'm very interested in is, so YouTube just made this announcement that they are, essentially, they've got a deal where, like, with shorts, they take a little bit of your money and they give it to like if you use copyrighted music or whatever, they just give it to all these people. So they like leave you alone. Don't like DMCA you. Take all your money. Yeah, and they've had that system for a while now. It's but they also are doing system. it for long form videos where you can pay an upfront fee and then keep all of your actual revenue. That I didn't know about. That's interesting. Yeah, they just yeah. launched. I know, that. Best, I know you called me about that. Was it yesterday? Yes. On and we kind of talked for a second about that. Because that could be, uh, and a lot of content creators, that could be a game changer for them. 
Oh yeah, because it's like the 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 problem is the song doesn't give you all the content, like doesn't give you all the value of the content, but it does elevate it. So the question becomes right. how much so of the video is how much worth? is that worth? Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. What is the? I'd have to go see the terms of that because in my head I would think that. Oh, I just assume anytime there's an announcement like that is actually a bad thing, right? So I would assume mm -hmm. that um, there'd be a lot of restrictions on what you what you could or couldn't do. Um, I know that YouTube's copyright system has been probably the maybe not the maybe TikTok has something similar, but close to the best in the game. Yeah. As someone who mm -hmm. makes uh, parody songs, I have to work around that a lot, and YouTube is the one that I get caught on the most. <laughs> uh, a yeah. lot of the times I'll just use the beat for the song itself, right? So mm. in my ironically enough, this one's still up, but I made a, a video called DMCA Speedrun, where mm -hmm. I took like a part of a Taylor Swift song, a part of like Chameleon Air, a part of um Kanye or whatever, and just mashed them all up together. Mm -hmm. So I basically like the joke was the joke was I tried to get a DMA strike by playing all of these songs together and writing my own music over it. But I like changed the uh pitch up and down depending yep. on which mm -hmm. to make them all line up and then the speed of the songs and that was enough to like you to can, avoid you can pitch change you can throw a compressor on it and you can change the speed and sometimes you can get around it but yeah. legally say, they should probably be able to claim those videos if they wanted to oh yeah well i was gonna say the similar thing happened uh for like i said for the millennials with vanilla ice's ice ice baby because if you are a queen fan then you know that beat anywhere under pressure I don't but know. Because it's, it's very he... different. It's dun 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 dun. dun. I, <laughs> I, no, when I, I will never forget listening to Vanilla Ice try to explain yeah. the difference, and I'm like, okay, how do you make music? I mean, how can you not tell the difference, or how could you? How could you think there's much of a difference? But yeah, well, as you I just mean, said he changed it enough. Yep. Dun, 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 dun. There is, like, if you listen to both songs, you'll be like, okay, yeah, there's there's one more note in here, I guess. Um, <laughs> but, and also, I mean, if you want to get into it, too, hip-hop has an entire history of stealing other people's shit, oh, basically. Absolutely. So, well, it just, I mean, look they call the it sampling, 20. but yeah. Well, I mean, look at the top 20 songs uh, currently, the most popular songs on the top 20 Billboard. A lot of the common trend today is to take old 80s songs Mm -hmm. throw the chorus for the 80s song in but change the verses yeah and like more often than not they probably do have the rights for it but if you really dig into it it's like less than you'd think still have mm -hmm. the rights and permissions that they need to use the songs because well, what do you define as rights because you have to have 200 percent. what what are you saying it's... i'm saying permission from the original artist basically but the original so like, artist might not have it because there's the composition. Well, there's oh, I see there's several saying. phases. So you can have it for like there, there's different tiers of it, well, what usually it would go through the studio. So like yeah. when it's done legit, you would it, it like an artist on Sony would only sample songs that Sony owns, basically. Yeah. Right. But so avoid that. Yeah, but it, it gets really hazy when you're like Kanye and you're sampling stuff from the the 40s and 50s that may or may not still have a copyright to it and. Mm -hmm. uh, things like that and mm -hmm. it's one of those like if the person ever gets upset and wants to come after you they probably can but it's a whole it's a whole ordeal the only time yeah. i can think of where something like that happens and it's not even exactly the same thing but it's a uh, uh, weird al so weird al's uh, gangster's paradise coolio no. was not happy about that but he, he buys them week. no no he nope. just passed this week 
Yeah, Julio did, not Weird Al, to, to be yeah. clear. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah I was like, wait, what? <laughs> and, no, um, um, go on. I was going to say that. No, I was going to say uh, that's probably the best example that, as you were saying, that, uh, that came to mind too, of an artist who allegedly did not give his permission to the music to the to the other artist and for a long time it led to conflict between the two of them but from what i was reading they reconciled not too long ago and coolio actually sat down and listened to the song and was like okay no you know what i should have given you permission years ago yeah i did not hear that um yeah it was before that he never really asked for permission because you technically don't need it to do parodies well is why my songs on youtube should be protected but also maybe not since i kind of just use the instrumentals from the songs yeah all depends so the thing is with weird al yankovic's work they're not technically parodies under u.s law parodies are when you like directly are parodying the song itself so if you try to set the track to something else it's not a parody um so with weird al he bought the rights to every single song so when it came to court and the guy's like i didn't give you permission to do it he's like yes you did i bought the rights to do it i right think you're making that up but okay well i've i that that's what i heard from a like a patent law lawyer or whatever so that that became the practice after coolio Ah, became his practice okay yeah because before that, like when he did, because uh, let's talk about Weird Al. I'm a huge Weird Al fan. Yeah. Um, He's my biggest he did, like inspiration for my parody stuff. I think my well, Twitter bio I says the Weird Al of Twitch. So I can. Yeah, that does see, say that. I remember his, seeing that. <laughs> I definitely see his influence on your on some of your parodies. I'm going to his concert in like a week. So oh, I'm fun. so jealous. I'm so jealous. <laughs> but when he when he was doing stuff in the late '80s and he was parodying people like Queen, like Madonna, mm-hmm. no, he was he wasn't having to really. As you said, ask for permission because yeah. back then nobody really rose a stank about it. It was just mm-hmm. was what it was. It was an untapped genre, yeah. but he kind of made that mainstream of sampling other people's music, then reworking it your own way. He kind of brought yeah. that as an he kind of brought that into conversation of and- where does copyright start and stop. And music. one one important distinction is that he will go and re-record the songs, whereas as I don't, yeah. and that's how I could get got on the same principle because I don't. Oh yeah, no, he'll go he'll go in I... and redo the instrumentals and everything. Yeah, yeah, I probably could now. I finally like bought a little keyboard here and guitar, and I'm learning how to do actual music. It's like I go. can I can play piano or guitar insofar as I can put together a string of five notes at once that I need to put into a DAW to record a song. Right. What I can't do is sit down live and play anything like that. That would never work. But I know just right. enough about music theory to do that. Um, I think, yeah, my favorite is before I get too far in this Weird Al story was the one with Nirvana where he called up uh, Kurt Cobain and was like, hey, I want to make a parody of your song. And he said, what's it about? And Weird Al was like, well, it's about the fact that no one can understand your lyrics. And Kurt just starts laughing on the other end of the call and says, yeah, go for it. Smells so. like Nirvana. Yep. Yep. That's uh, yeah. That's uh, that, 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 that's when I knew Weird Al was was going to be something special because <laughs> that was about the time that I really discovered him was when that song was coming out. How old are you again? E. You. I'm 34. Yeah, I was about to say. Well, that's. I mean, like that was I'm in like 93. Little, yeah, I'm a little too young for grunge, but only by a couple years. Like I still I, heard it. Damn, all I, I forget I'm the baby that. in this group. Yeah, by a, by a margin, thirty, almost thirty-one here in another month. Yeah. So. Oh wait, so you're older than Shelby. Yeah. Okay. That's usually, how our relationships work. 
Um, Usually. Yeah. If you had to guess, right? Yeah, but yeah. I'm I don't judge. I don't judge. I mean, it's fine. Whatever you want to do. Women, they beautiful lovers. Uh, well, RJ, you're you're older than your wife, too, so you can't judge. I'm just saying. There ain't nothing wrong with having an older woman, either. No, Shelby's younger. I know she we, is. We know. We're just... Okay, go on. Uh, right. Me, me and Sam are on the same page. <laughs> Out there. But um, talking about Weird Al for a second, because now you've done it. Now you've <laughs> Yeah, up, now I've opened up this uh, Pandora's you know, box. unofficial Weird Al fan, fan podcast, yeah. Yes, we are. Um, I, I saw that his his biopic, it's Harry Potter, oh, yes. got pushed back. Okay, it did get pushed back? Damn, I was really looking forward to that. It was supposed to come out in October, and they pushed it back to November. Mm. I've heard it's actually really good. Like, I was worried because it was a straight-to-Hulu release. It was just going to be trash. Um, Ooh, but I've heard it's really good, so I wonder – oh, Roku, thank you. Um, I wonder if they pushed it back to try to do, like, a – I don't know, Oscar push might be a little a little strong, but – I, yeah. I wonder if they pushed it back I, to try to get more attention for it. Possible, or um, I think they may have also pushed it back for his touring schedule because his touring is supposed to start this month. Oh yeah, that would make sense. Yeah, that's why I'm going like next yeah. week. So that yeah. that yeah. tracks. That I figured the tour sense. was because of the movie. So yeah, there's a movie. So, can I? Oh yeah, I'm so excited. They got Daniel Radcliffe playing Weird Al. For so there's the, a the, there's uh, a Weird Al movie. Let me let me be clear. It's a parody of biopics. So it's like a parody of the Queen movie that came out, or the Elvis movie, or something like that. And it's 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 Rhapsody as yeah. only Weird Al could do. Yeah, yeah, it's a quote unquote telling of Weird Al's life, but he's like an undercover secret agent, and uh, yeah, oh yeah, yeah. There's it, some. There's did some you ever shit. see UHF, John? Ah, uh, oh. To see what? Did you ever see UHF? I have not. I still haven't. So I need to. Oh, if oh yeah, every Weird Al fan needs to watch it. Basically, yeah. the premises that weird al gets given a tv studio mm-hmm. and they tell him hey do whatever you want to do nobody really watches this studio anyway and he kind of has free reign to do whatever he wants mm. he just starts randomly putting kids programming on and just hey you janitor you want a tv show come on in as i understand <laughs> it's not like a great movie but it is a very weird al movie classic. Cool classic. <laughs> sounds like it but yeah it basically, I always feel like if if you ever gave Weird Al a typewriter, told him to write a movie, that's the movie he would write. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I, I do kind of find it humorous that it is considered a parody of biopics because yeah, that's such a great idea. From what I've heard, it's not even like close to accurate in yeah. his life. Like they just go all the way. Well, I mean, yeah, and like the preview trailer, it's like him shirtless with a gold chain with like a woman around his arm. So I feel like that right. should have been en- enough to, to... <laughs> just there. Yeah, he's got the thick glasses, and he's just like, "I'm Weird Al." Yeah, I'm. I'm yeah, looking forward to that. Great idea. I have not watched any of those biopics over the last several years because I just cannot get the motivation to watch them. I don't. Don't yeah. have any interest. Yeah, Especially, I was. I was, say, I was interested back when they had um, Sacha Baron Cohen casts as Freg- Freddie Mercury, right? But as soon as they they did that and like sanded the edges off of Freddie Mercury's life, essentially, I'm like, okay, I'm I'm no longer interested in whatever this movie is going to be. The, the the glamour brush of Hollywood to it, yeah, glamorized it. I was like, because I watched Bohemian Rhapsody as somebody who a Freddie Mercury fan. I watched Bohemian Rhapsody. No, 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 no. You're not a Freddie Mercury fan. You're a massive Freddie Mercury. Don't, don't don't belittle yourself. Don't confuse, them. don't confuse them. But no, um, 
to watch that movie all i had sat there and i was just like yeah no they they are completely missing who he was deep down they made him this prima donna who had no real loyalty to his to his friends at certain points and i'm like i don't no no that that's not how that happened and you, you know what extra sucks about that it won an oscar so that's what everybody's gonna do right <laughs> when people look back in history Rather than doing their due research, they're going to watch that movie to try to get an idea of what his life was. It's kind of the same thing that's going on right now with that movie Blonde on Netflix, where it's based I, on Marilyn Monroe, but it's based on a fictional version of her life. Like, right. I, I get why, from a marketing perspective, you put Marilyn Monroe's name on it, but from a like common sense perspective, just say this is about a fake actor because that's what it is. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. Yep. And I think that I, honestly, I think it would. I, this is just me speaking from the initial launch of it. I think it will find in hindsight that it actually would have done better, as you just said, if it had just been a fictionalized story of an actress and not Marilyn Monroe. Yeah. I feel it's, like um... people are going to watch that and they're just going to, if you are a person who knows the life of Marilyn Monroe, it's going to turn you off instantly. I guess it may have been something similar with Wolf of Wall Street, but I think that one was. I guess it is Wall kind of similar. Exactly what it needed to be. Yeah, it, it's yes, um, and yeah, it's based on the book that Jordan Belfort wrote about his own life. So that was the the kicker right. there of like it's not every exactly accurate or is going to make him out to be oh, more of a hero. Always be, it, yeah, you always will make yourself the hero in your own story. I love the um, the because for whatever reason that guy still gets to run around and do things, and it's really fucking weird. It's yeah, Jordan Belfort. Yeah, like what's the fucking Nate shot on Twitter posted like a picture with Jordan Belfort, and I'm pretty sure I retweeted and roasted him for it. I'm like, this guy's a mass criminal. You should not be like yes. taking selfies with this fucking right. uh, yeah fraudster dude. Bonnie, um, Bonnie scenario. Yeah, sure. Yeah, and then um, it was at the like initial screening of it because Jordan was there, and he's like, so you know, like kicking that that woman down the stairs he goes up to margot robbie and said the scene where she gets like kicked down the stairs is really intense and she looks at him he's like you're the piece of shit that did this what are you t like uh, we're doing exactly what you did what are you talking about um and that was always a moment that um biopics about people still alive are weird i think is my where i come mm -hmm. to on that um, the, pro the problem with biopics is as we as we as we keep driving home you can't make the biopic accurate because no one will watch it. Let's be honest. Yeah, yeah. You're telling There's me you people... can make a Marilyn Monroe accurate biopic? No. They tried. I mean, they can't oh, even make they can't even make documentaries accurate. Like I, I stopped watching Netflix documentaries because every single time I'd have to go Google it after the fact just to find that like a bunch of shit was left out that changes the whole context. For example, yeah. there's one called The Staircase. It's all about a guy like maybe he's a murderer. Maybe he maybe he murdered his wife. Maybe he didn't. We don't know. And it's about his defense process. And then you Google it after the fact and find that the lead documentary editor was fucking the dude the whole time. They had this secret relationship going on in the background. It's like, well, that might color how you edit the documentary. So yeah, I mean, just a bit. Can, can I can I have Netflix stop trying to get me to bang serial killers? Also, that that's a little weird. Yeah. yeah hey, there's a lot of women who are like want to watch. Just sit down and watch serial killer, and it doesn't change them at all. No, I'm talking Netflix trying to sexualize Ted Bundy, Jeffrey Dahmer. That's what I mean. Level. Like I should not so, want to watch the bomber and be like, oh yeah, he's hot. It, it, the Ted Bundy one at least makes some sense because yeah. 
that that Ted was Bundy real. Like, yeah, Zach, right. Zach yeah. Efron cast as Ted Bundy is actually the perfect casting for that. It was my favorite part of that movie. Wait, uh, Zach Efron played Ted Bundy? Are you yeah. serious? Yeah, and he played him very good, very convincing. <laughs> yeah. Was this before it, it or after like, he got his jaw chopped off? What? You guys don't know about Zach Efron's jaw? I do not. Yeah. So one day he slipped, fell, broke his jaw, and his like the chin bone was literally hanging out of his mouth. Jesus. That was about that was about three years ago. Yeah. So he literally avoided like all media attention because the uh, muscles here in the back of your mouth, I forget what they're called. In order to repair, they grew abnormally large. So people think it's a failed plastic surgery. When it's actually just the recovery. Well, it's a good thing he was already like an eleven on the attractiveness scale. So yeah, if anyone could have could afford to lose a few points and still be still be okay, probably Zach right. Efron. Right. Yeah, karma. But yeah, and that Bundy movie, I always thought would be a lot better if you didn't know who Ted Bundy was. I remember watching that movie, and if you don't know whether or not he's actually a murderer, movie's a lot better. But yep. of course, it's that's Ted fucking Bundy, wife. so it, I don't that's know anyone alive that doesn't know the name. When, when my wife and I watched it, she had really no idea who he was, so it was kind of a clean slate with her. Yeah, and that's exactly the take she had. She was very much like, "So, you think he did it?" I'm like, "Oh no, I know he did." It. She goes, "No, this is a true story." She goes, "Oh," I was like, "Yeah, this dude really lived." Well, and well, you're not watching the last like ten minutes of the movie where he's chopping up a body and putting it in his car. Uh, anyway, yeah, it gets <laughs> pretty graphic. What? Looking like Zac Efron, maybe I could see maybe some self denial going on there. Well, he's still Zac Efron. He's probably well, fine. You guys heard about the story of the? There was this guy who, for whatever reason, women found extremely attractive. I forget his name, and it was like a TikTok star or something who's on video killing somebody. But because he's so hot, women were literally calling the judge to get him off. I totally, I did not hear about the story, but I believe it. I, I think right? that exact thing did happen with Ted Bundy. So, well, <laughs> well, yeah, no, yeah. I mean, you can you you could go on YouTube right now and find video of girls petitioning courthouses, yep. saying let Bundy go. I love the uh, my favorite example of that is that old picture of Lee Harvey Oswald that came out that was like colorized. It, I think it was Lee Harvey Oswald, somebody who killed the president and was like, oh, shit, he's hot. Oh, no. And, and just watching the Internet freak out over one of the most famous assassins in U.S. history was was pretty yeah, hilarious. It, it, was, it was Harvey. Yeah, because like, he was an actor yeah. beforehand. Right. So that makes sense that no, he would have no. been more attractive. And so that was that was a funny moment. It was John Wilkes Booth. He was an actor. Yep. Oh, maybe that's what I'm thinking of. Either way. Yeah, that would be John Wilkes Booth would be the older one. So that would check out. So, no. Sam, I got a question for you. Right, we're going to change the pace a little bit. Um, <laughs> we watch House of Dragons together, and we're not going to talk about that at all because it's still pretty early. RJ hasn't seen it at all. He needs my HBO Max still. We'll talk about that later. Off uh, air. I want to know your opinion of the ending of Game of Thrones. For everyone watching, we are going to spoil the ending right now. It's all, like, if it was in Game of Thrones, it was completely up for grabs at the moment. Because we asked Shelby this, so I wanted to get your take on the ending right. of Game of Thrones. Three, two, give people time to tune out. One, all right, yeah, so, um, huh. If, if you 
sat down, and this is probably exactly what happened to them, right? If you sat down and described to me the plot events that happened on a piece of paper, I'd be like, okay, most of that makes sense. Like, like some of the things were a little weird. Like, I don't know about uh, like Braun and the Iron Throne or things like that. But if you told me the the majority of the plot events, like the the whole Khaleesi going crazy and, and everything like that, it'd be like, okay, I, I could see this making sense. That that makes sense as an ending if you can get there. The problem was the the they fucked up everything about getting there. Um, from your small details to like, hey, you've got this dragon uh fighting some ships. Like, like basically that that scene where um about five hundred ships seems to appear out of nowhere on like a perfectly clear day, that was that doesn't really happen. Um, uh, just little things like that, and then the they needed a lot more time to get to where they were going, and so the whole thing was rushed, and then just like fell apart due to mismanagement essentially. So could have been a lot better than it was. Um, uh, what I think is funny is that George R. R. Martin still tries to like claim that he'll get it right and finish it someday and people are like why don't you just i've heard this take a lot it's why don't you just give it to someone else to finish and it's like what the fuck do you think he did with hbo like that's exactly what happened he him telling hbo like giving them his notes and then going on to do elden ring is is exactly what he did and people just refuse to believe that that's all you're gonna get no i think i think i think he should have finished the books before he ever allowed it to be a series that's actually an interesting creative question, though. Um, mm. How much responsibility does an author have to their audience to finish something? Like, if I start something successful and then decide, like, fuck it, I'm over it. I just can't, like, I don't want to do this anymore. Like, I'm rich, fuck all you. How much um, responsibility do y'all believe the creator has to finish what they started? So I'm going to, I may be taking the uh, the controversial stance here. I don't know that there is a right or wrong answer. I don't think there's a controversial okay. stance, RJ. Yeah. I was going to say, I think that if you create something that people consume, that they fall in love with, I think you do not owe them anything. However, however, you should still finish it of a sense of pride for your workmanship. If you're going to begin something, I feel you should always finish it. So my, go ahead, Sam. I was gonna say it's a fair take. Yeah, like I, I think I kind of agree. Like it'd be nice to be to finish it, but I also don't want to force anyone to work on something that they don't want to work on anymore. So like, if you're totally over it, um, exactly that. Give somebody else that you trust the notes of how you think it's gonna end, and then if they don't want to end it that way, like whatever, who cares? But, but yeah, like it, it, there, there is a sense of responsibility, but I'm not going to get mad at someone for for just not. not at all. I mean, because the ending you would get would suck ass if you did get one at that point. So yep. it's like, I don't know what you do. You might get so, season eight of Game of Thrones. Exactly. Yeah. So what were you going to say, John? And then I'm so I actually did a little digging and there's several content creators on YouTube who are like, OK, how much more does Martin have left? Because he released the last book in 2011 and it was like, OK, he cut. A lot of stuff. And I mean a lot of stuff. He cut roughly 200 pages worth of material out of the last book that was published in 2011. And so for a long time, he just had like that sitting there. And you go about nine years or so, he gets to COVID. He gets about another that source so done. Everything and da-da-da-da-da. And what it really seems like to me is that over the course of the last 11 years or so, He's not been able to get the ending he wants. Yep. 
Like it really seems like he made the first book. It did very well. And he, I kind of feel like he should have sat down at that moment and say, okay, how does this end? Like the very well, last chapter, how does this all end? So if, if you don't know why that is, I can go into this. It's, um, go for it. It's, I, it I'll, I'll start by saying this is something I picked up on from one of my favorite books of all time, uh, which is Stephen King's autobiography. It's called like On Writing. It's sort of like a, a part of the creative process and part of um, his personal life. And if you're a content creator at all, uh, it is a great book to read. Um, my favorite like passage from it essentially is uh, if you're a writer, you write. Uh, writer's block does not like is not an excuse. Plumbers don't get to say, "I have plumber's block. I don't want to go to work today." Um, <laughs> and and that is a line that I like took to heart for my consecration stuff back when back when I was trying to make it a career. And so I've, I've you know backed off a little less. But anyways, what Stephen King does is he writes his characters and then has the characters live in the world he created. And so he doesn't know how his stories are going to end when he writes them. Mm -hmm. Like, that's probably why he's kind of shit at endings. Um, but he doesn't <laughs> write an ending or write a story for his characters. He just writes the characters and writes the world and situations and says like, okay, so what would this guy do here? What would this guy do here? And uh, George R. R. Martin, I, I don't know if he was a Stephen King fan or where he got it from, but I know he has the same writing style. And so he literally does not have an end in mind for that. Like he has a rough idea of where it might end up, but he doesn't know for sure because he doesn't. Um, it's kind of a weird concept to divorce yourself from your own characters, right? That that is what happens. Is he doesn't know what his characters are going to do yet, yep. and so he doesn't actually know how the story is going to end. And he wrote himself into a situation where that writing style you can't finish that book. As I understand it, it's like at a certain point where these characters would just keep going and nothing satisfying would happen. And so now that you have to to close the funnel, essentially, and, and start guiding characters towards something that would resemble an end, he, he doesn't know how to make that work with his writing style. Right. So we're talking about letting into that point where you have to turn over the reins to someone else and trust them. Mm -hmm. A good example of how that can work out is Star Wars. George Lucas gave us the first six movies. You'd okay. Then, go on. You'd call then, that working out. Okay. Okay. No, Let, the, let's hear him out. Let's hear him out. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Go on. Hold yeah. on. And he gave it to Disney for you know how more money than anybody else made ever. Right. But yes, but, gave it to Disney. We'll go with that. We've, <laughs> we've kind of seen how that works. Here's the here's the gambit of it though. Some of it's good. Some of it not so much. Some things yeah. that Disney's done right with the property. There's some things they haven't done right with the property. So as a as a content creator or as an author, going back to your question about that responsibility. Yeah. How much responsibility do you think Lucas holds with Disney as far as what they did to Star Wars? Um, like, should the fans be upset at him or should they be upset at Disney? So that, yeah, I almost think there's two different questions there. Yes, I think fans are absolutely right to be upset with him. It, it totally is, you know, his fault for not giving that to uh, someone who would um, take care of the franchise or that he knows he can trust. But also, fuck them. Uh, he made $2 billion. So, like, wasn't it, it four? It I, maybe it was. It's been a long time since I remember. It was four bill, right? Disney, four though. bill in 2012 before yeah. the tax situation yeah. flipped on him. And my point being, like, it's not his job to care about that. Like, yeah. I understand the audience being upset. I think they have a right to be upset. I don't think he has a responsibility to care. He's also like but seventy something when he. Problem is, well, the problem right? with also it is that. this though: 
Disney has done so well with Marvel. So it seemed like a sure bet to sell them Star Wars because they showed that they could handle a previous creator's intellectual property so well. I mean, honestly, Marvel is where it is today, mostly because of Disney's pushing. Yeah. My personal gripes of Marvel movies aside at this point. Yeah. Um, What's well, not I'm crazy to of, think they couldn't have done that with Star Wars? Yeah, I guess the idea is a different person running it. Like they probably should have yep. just given Star Wars Kevin Feige and calling it calling it a day. But um, would have been on board with that. Yeah, yeah. I think Feige, I think uh, he's done really well. Feige's done really well with Marvel. Um, have they had hiccups? Sure, speed bumps along the way. Everything does. But I think overall, yeah, overall definitely they've landed the plane. I will say Marvel early days had more like. You don't count Iron Man. Like, if you look at Iron Man, it goes, okay, you had Iron Man, Iron Man 1, 2, 3. The original Hulk was kind of a flop. Thor 1 well, and 2. You know why they haven't flops. made another Hulk? Yeah, exactly. Because the first. There's a reason. No, well, not because it flopped. They, they, because did, they did make another Hulk. Copyright. And they called it. Oh, go on. Universal's copy has, has the copyright on the Hulk. Right, okay. That copyright expires in 2023. Yeah, and that's, that's why, why they made the Hulk and so many different things is to yeah. whet our appetite. And twenty twenty three, they're going to push a Hulk movie into production and get it out by twenty twenty five. Makes sense. Calling that's why right. uh, why th was it Thor right? It's why Thor mm -hmm. was just a Hulk movie. Like correct, Hulk it was just, yeah. It, yeah, it was a Hulk vehicle that Thor just happened to be at the wheel of. Yeah. You mean then, the Love and Thunder? Uh, sorry, Ragnarok. Ragnarok. Yeah, Ragnarok. Yeah. Ragnarok Love was was a Hulk movie. That Thor just yeah. happened to be there. Yeah, Love and Thunder was a. Uh, I didn't like it, and I why I, I honestly think I didn't, didn't like either. It, well, it felt like Taika Waititi making a parody of himself. Like it, it felt like a different mm. director trying to make a Taika Waititi film, and, yep. and that was what bugged me about it. I agree. It was like Taika Waititi phoned it in. It yeah, was not yeah. Taika Waititi yeah. the way I've seen him in the past. Yeah, because the the energy between Ragnarok and Love and Thunder. Are I'd say arguably the energy is the exact same, and that's the problem. Really? <laughs> oh, you just like no you just made the same movie twice, yeah, and that's so why it just loses biggest, all its luster. My biggest gripes with Love and Thunder, so I'm not going to spoil it. If you've seen the trailers, you know what I'm you know, you know exactly what I'm talking about. But I don't like how they treated his relationship with Mjolnir like an ex girlfriend now has a new beau situation. I thought and it was funny once. Yeah, right. it was not it was, the fifth time. It was good for 10 minutes. Yeah. Yeah. I think it was good for one joke. Yeah. But when and, it went, when, when, when it started to have these sentient weapons yeah. basically vying for his attention, it got, it got ridiculous. Yeah. It was redundant. And that's the whole movie. The whole thing yeah. was like the same joke over and over and over. Yeah. Like, like the screaming goats was funny once. I didn't yeah. need to hear it every time the goats yeah. were on screen. So I'll be honest. There, that is the only Marvel movie where I just stop watching after like a certain point. I just I put would, it down. I saw it in the theater, it. so I didn't have that option. But I have yeah. um, lately stopped watching as much Marvel stuff just because I don't care to keep every Marvel show that's come out, with the exception of one, I think, has been somewhere in the like six to six to eight point five range. Right? It's not going to be great. It's not going to be terrible. It just kind of exists. Um. The yeah. only exception to that, I think, you could argue for Loki, 
Um, but the only exception that I would say is Miss Marvel, the one I was least interested in watching before it came out, <laughs> yeah. ended up having the most character and like uniqueness to it because it focused on the Indian culture and Indian heritage, and that is not something that white people get a lot. So yep. it was it was a really interesting uh, view into that into something I wouldn't otherwise get. I think so, Marvel's problem is they're diluting themselves way too much. They're spreading themselves out way too much with too many different projects. And it shows in the CGI budget because their CGI looks horrible now. Well, it's not that they can't spend the money. It's that they know people are going to see it regardless. Yes. That's and why. It, it, I haven't watched it. I haven't watched a Marvel TV show since WandaVision. Yeah, I didn't like WandaVision. Um, so I didn't either. That's hey, going into what we talked about with Shelby. I'm one of those people that if something really gives me a bad taste about it, I'm not going to go back. Yeah. So case in point, Game of Thrones burned me really bad with season eight. Because of that, I have been dragging my feet about House of Dragons, despite everyone telling me how great it is. I love the Lord of the Rings trilogy. Mm-hmm. The Hobbit trilogy burnt me up. Because it burned me up, I haven't been watching the Ring of Power series on Amazon. Yeah. I Same like that one Marvel. for what it's worth. Like Star Wars, the, the sequel trilogy, did the same thing to me. And since that, I don't watch The Mandalorian. I you haven't watched, watched The Mandalorian at all? I watched like the first half of the first season. Really? And that turned you off? I mean, I get oh, it. I truly. didn't like the first half yeah. of the first season of Mandalorian, to be to be fair. I think the show, it, it kind of takes a while for it to become... Uh, what serialized the one where they make sense, whatever the term yeah. is to mean the episodes connect, right? So like when yeah. it keeps doing one-offs and like drops in pieces of serialization, it does far too many one-off episodes that don't have any relation to each other. And that's just not how you make a modern TV show now. Right. So I get it. I get why Mandalorian would, would put you off during the first half. Right. For sure. Um. All right. Let's close this out. RG, do you have any last questions for our guest? Um, my last question, and it's it's one of those that I I get asked it a lot, so I always want to ask other people. Um, if you could you could visit any other country, what country would you visit? Um, I guess Japan is next on the list, I suppose. Uh, I've, I've always wanted to go to Japan. I have my whole my whole weeb nerd vacation planned out. So, go see some G- Studio Ghibli. Go see some. Uh... So wait, are you an anime fan? Because Shelves definitely yeah. is not. No, she's not. And I've tried to convert her, and it hasn't worked. So hey, now now, now we're going to bring you back again because <laughs> that's another conversation I want to have. Anime Studio Ghibli. We could do a two hour session just on that. <laughs> yes, we can because you're yeah, not into to- it. Not really. Yeah, you're not really into it. Huge Studio Ghibli guy. No, anime. Ghibli's oh, kind of yeah. Disney, Japanese Disney. I think it's kind of uh, right. I am, I am Western. I am Western anime style. Han is right, but I'm also not going to gatekeep anime. Like one of, one of my yeah. my biggest pet peeves with the anime just group in general is that if I described uh, Avatar The Last Airbender a, like as an anime or as a Western anime oh. show, they will fucking rip my head off, even though I'm right. Keeping, yeah. it, it 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 doesn't matter if it's enjoyable it's enjoyable yeah what it, i it is my matter. view on and mine is if i'm trying to explain what a show is to someone else and i call it kind of like an anime yeah that's gonna tell you what it is it's gonna tell you like something about the characters something about the plot and and just the general feel of the show and so 
the, the actually Avatar is maybe not a great example for it, but Castlevania is absolutely yes. a great example of Western mm-hmm. anime. Like, like that is designed by English people as if it were made in Japan. So, like, fuck you if you're if I call it an anime, you get mad at me for it. Like, go touch some grass. Yes, exactly. I know because um, we would like I said we'd love to have you back. So, um, I want to kind of leave it on a tasty morsel of a potential second episode with you and say this. I don't know if you guys have seen this yet, but Disney Plus has pushed into production a version of Dragon Ball. Oh, no. No. no Wait, no, no, animated no. or live action? Animated. Okay. Okay. So, so that's okay. that's not no, like, horrific, no, then. Like, no, no. I'm talking, like, 3D model animated. No, that's even worse. We so could spend 20 about. minutes talking about 2D versus I will, 3D. I will say, if anybody wants a very interesting read, go read the Wikipedia page for the guy who created Dragon Ball. I did this like two weeks ago, and man, I can never, I yeah, I cannot, I've never found another creator that hates his own audience more than that guy. <laughs> yes, actually. there are so many things in Dragon Ball where he's like, yeah, I wanted to make this an adventure show, but or, or rather, it's not even hates his own, it's that he just does whatever's popular and it keeps working yeah. despite him not wanting it to. So it's like, yes, yeah, I just, nothing takes place in a city because I don't know. I didn't feel like drawing cities. I just made everybody go out of the field. It's like I tried to put some comedy elements into it and then the audience hated it and wanted action. So I guess I'm drawing action now. My favorite. OK, my favorite little anecdote I'll leave on this. The whole reason that Goku has blonde hair is because it is easier to draw and uses less ink than black hair. So the most iconic character powering up animation of all time, like NBA players fucking do this in their in their celebrations. Right. That's just because of laziness. And I was that was hilarious to me when I learned that. Because in the manga, for those that haven't read the manga, the hair's white. You well, it's black and white. It's black yeah, and white. Yeah, don't have color. Yeah. So yeah. that's that's why. Right. They, yeah. So, yeah. Yep. All right. Just, uh, we are out of time for today. I thank you all so much for coming. You can find us on Spotify and other podcast platforms. I thank you all for tuning in to listen and have a great day.